and welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm Donna. I'm Kaz. And this week we are joined by a special guest. Hi guys, my name is Zeke. And this episode we are discussing is episode 8 entitled A Very Supernatural Christmas. And I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but the how the episode starts out is with the special presentation yes. logo that was very prevalent. At, at least I know as much in the 80s. Can't remember if it was in the 70s, but I do definitely remember from the 80s. Oh no, it feels very much like a Christmas story. Yes. Yeah. It has that very uh, Christmas story feel. So. Yeah. This episode finds Sam and Dean hunting down... Some creature, they think maybe it's the Anti-Claws, who is stealing people and killing them by dragging them up the chimney at Christmas time. Delicious. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was really odd they never used the word Krampus. They did. They did, actually. Yeah, he says it once. Yes. And and whenever he's talking about the lore of the different kills, he says Krampus. Right. But... He also goes on another slew of other names as well. But we do ultimately find out that it is two pagan gods who are used to, in their words, of taking hundreds of victims a year, um, and they're quite happy that they've narrowed it down to, including Sam and Dean, five victims for the year. But these gods used to be sacrificed to in order to get mild weather, and they were precursors to, of course, the the Christian mythos uh, as the, the male god so kindly points out. There was also a lot of Sam and Dean as kids backstory. Yes, which was kind of hard to watch yeah, a little bit. Was it? Well, <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to our podcast much, Zeke, but uh, John's pretty much a bastard. Yeah. And yeah. an abuser. Yeah. And, you know, and as we're watching some of the backstory, once Sam realizes that the monsters are real, he's like, well, what if they come get us? What if they're going to, you know, what if they do this and all that? And I'm like, no shit. What if they come get you? Your dad just abandoned you in a fucking motel, two little kids. But no, it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, on that note, yeah, John's not necessarily the uh, model dad for <laughs> yeah. sure. But at the same time, given what he, what happened to John, what happened to the family, mm. uh, what continues to happen to the family, I don't know. It's... I, it's definitely a, a weird argument of nature versus nurture. Like, what happens whenever you have to be put into that situation? And we kind of, if if you want to, if you want to look at the show through rose-colored glasses, folks, you know, you can kind of look at this as like, you know, this is what happens whenever when, whenever you're put into a bad situation and you have to raise yourself or yeah, you know, something along those lines. But the thing is, is that John made the active choice. To become a hunter, to become obsessed with all of this crap, because yeah, he, he made didn't the choice. Did he have an option to drop the kid, like leave the kids with someone or something? That was something that I was never, never entirely yeah. sure on. I don't think so. What What I'm getting at is that he had the choice to be a dad. Yeah. Okay. And fair. he's he not have, being he a could dad. Have, he could have dropped the flag of vengeance. Yes. yes. But if yeah. we did that, then. We certainly wouldn't be here talking about it. Right, exactly. And an we wouldn't in- have this fantastic show to watch. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic to me, though, because, you know, Sam never knew his mom. Right. And so how did Sam end up the sensitive one? It's it's interesting to me because he, he, has, he has John Winchester modeling complete abandonment. And he's right. got Dean, who is 
as we've said before, the monument to toxic masculinity. How did Sam become? I have a theory about okay. that. Okay. Not like a long running theory. This isn't something that I gave and like have a you know been thinking about. But you bringing it up kind of made the light bulb go off. Given the fact that he was as a child fed demon blood. And demons being this, you know, force both in supernatural and in, you know, general mythos of being charmers, enticers, people that are, that use empathy as a weapon. Maybe that is some way that it's part of Sam. Like, you know, part of his very being is that he's naturally sensitive to people. That way he knows where to strike. That's interesting. If, if he wanted to. I, I want to break in. I meant, I meant to mention this when we, when we introduced Zeke, but I have been trying to get him on this podcast for about <laughs> a year. Have we been doing this a year? Yeah. I've been but... trying to get him on for about a year. And finally, the other night, he agreed, and I was like, great, Thursday, come on. <laughs> and, so, um, and things like that are why, because that's pretty cool. Now, to kind of feed off of what you were just saying, obviously Sam is at... A much more advanced age whenever he learns the truth than Dean was and so obviously John was trying to kind of protect and coddle Sam with that so he didn't have the same responsibilities on him initially that Dean did and because I mean pretty much right from the get-go Dean was the one you know take your brother get him out of here all of that and then Dean became the one who was taxed with basically being Sam's dad so I think that that made to lend into Sam being more of, you know, a sympathetic and empathetic person in that he wasn't really getting the brunt of everything until he got a little bit older. He was allowed the uh, the chance to try to understand other people, whereas Dean was just, I have to protect, I have to protect. Right. I don't, have a chance. No, I don't care about you, you, nope, nope, nope. Right. Everything's a threat, whereas yeah. Sam got that chance. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I think, too, it shows in that whenever Sam is so adamant about Dad coming home for Christmas, Dad coming home for Christmas, and Dean pretty much goes out of his way to make Dad look like the good guy right. by setting everything up, by stealing presents that obviously he didn't know right. were, you know, a Barbie and a sparkly baton. So I think that that, you know, too kind of lends it in that Dean is trying to carry on that, making sure that Sam is protected, not only physically, but also emotionally Mm -hmm. from what's going on. Right. And you kind of see that kind of come full circle with, you know, the the now or the present moments whenever they're not doing the investigating and not fighting that they're, you know, Dean's like, yeah, let's have a, let's have a big old thing because I'm I'm not going to be here next year. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, as far as, you know, from a person who has a brother that has a very close connection to their brother, watching the scene whenever Sam is just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. That it, it, I, can, I can feel Dean's heartbreak. I was just like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's one thing that I think that, that Jared and Jensen do is well is that they have almost in themselves that brotherly connection, that friendship bond. And so it's kind of easier for them to have that chemistry of Sam and Dean to portray it even more so that it does just kind of like gut you every time they have a a connecting moment like that. So, yeah. Yeah, we're starting to see that that shift changeover, as he pointed out, and that you have the strong, sensitive, as the children... And with the Christmas coming up, Dean is moving into Sam's camp, and Sam is moving into Dean's camp. Right. Well, there's also that whole underlying thing that, you know, uh, Sam says, and Ruby says, that, you know, they've got to get Sam ready to fight this war without Dean being there. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, that whole line that Sam says that, you know, I have to figure out a way to be you, which kind of puts, you know, kind of puts a picture in a way of to just kind of how Sam sees his brother. That's a good point. Right. Now what? Yeah, I think we're jumping ahead episodes. Yeah, I think that's next episode. No, this is this episode. I don't think Ruby's in the Christmas episode. She's not. That's all right, though. It's okay. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be discussing that episode next week. But uh, maybe, maybe it's just because I want Ruby everywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now with with this, what what Sam was talking about was that you know he couldn't pretend that everything was going to be okay whenever the next year Dean wasn't going to be there, right. and so that was part of the reason why he. He wasn't wanting to do the whole Christmas celebration and everything. He basically just wanted to leave it to where it was like, okay, this is this is the same as it's been every year. It's a shitty Christmas. We don't do anything about it because that would be the status quo. And trying to pretend that it was anything but that would make it even more difficult once Dean was actually gone. Right. And yeah. Yeah. That's sad. That's yeah. Sad. So I do have a technical note about the uh, the flashback scenes. Yes. That I was really happy with, and that. A lot of times when you have these flashback scenes, the children characters have the exact same haircut as the adults. Yeah. Exact same haircut. Yeah. And I'm really glad that they had similar haircuts. So they have, uh, I was going to say Jared, but it's, you know, Sam, who uh, clearly prefers having a little bit longer hair, and you have Dino with shorter hair. And I thought it was really good to see that, okay, yeah, they are showing what the kids or what the guys like their hair like, but it wasn't that exact duplicate, which is... Yeah. Right. Just really unrealistic. Like, yeah. It always takes me out of a show. I'm like, okay, I clearly know who they are, guys. Well, one thing that I liked about it was that the the children actors, I think they definitely got the nuances yeah. of Sam and Dean's oh, sure. discussions and their behaviors and their reactions and all of that. I think that they did a really great job with that, especially the kid playing Sam. I mean, you could just feel the, the emotion coming off of him, and the care and concern as well. I think throughout the, the entirety of the series, they keep the same kids. And so they kind of have this... Mm-hmm. As much as they can. As yes. much as they can, you know, growth yeah. that they can use. Okay, but they cast young Dean because of his pretty eyes. That's that's it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> okay. He's got really pretty eyes. Okay. He also, um, the, he also had the best line of, so why do I always, or uh, when Sam asked, why do I always move? Because everyone gets tired of your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty much what brothers would say and do to each other. So. That's, that's entirely true. I was yes. like, that's, that's, okay, that's cool. See, so you don't even need a haircut to tell. I, I do want to talk a moment about the pagan gods themselves, and in that, with the exception of one who shall remain nameless, they are the most delightful villains <laughs> yes. of of what of what we have. Yes. And like to the point where even whenever even whenever Sam's getting his nail getting oh, ripped off, I'm like God. I kinda really like you guys. Yeah. Like, I kinda wanna kinda just can I have some mint, Grandma? Or whatnot? <laughs> I, I mean It was <laughs> almost like June and Ward Cleaver yes. the older years, yes. you know. And then, but at the same time, it, it's it's that air that whenever you have these moments like you know, like the nail pulling, and whenever the the neighbor chick stops by to drop off the gift, and he's like, "Oh, I thought I smelled fruitcake." Yeah. <laughs> um, just uh, you know them walking over it. Just it it, it makes what they really are just even more important, even more impactful. Right. Well, And they, and they differ from a lot of the supernatural villains yeah. in that there is a pretense most of the times, and then immediately it's kind of dropped, and they get all, you know, haughty or whatever, and they change. 
This is just who they are. Yeah, they're yeah. just really cheerful people. Whether they're you know inviting yeah. you to bridge or chopping off or cutting off fingernails yeah. or whatever they're doing, you know, that's just who they are. There was just, there was just such a great moment when the sweet little old lady. I don't remember if she had Sam or Dean, but sweet little old lady has them up against the wall and just holding him, just yeah. holding him, and and there's this long moment when you're going, oh, that's that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> still with a sweet smile on her face. Yes. Yep. I would well, still eat that candy. That she gave me and the peanut brittle, I would eat it. I'm sorry, I would be one of the people that would be had to be saved. They, I mean, yeah, they, Sam and Dean. they did mention that people can't used to come for miles just to be tribute. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you know, they, you know, they they yeah. clearly didn't rule or rule. They clearly weren't gods via cruelty or fear. They were just like, no, come to our house, let's eat you. Yes, it'd be great. Which it makes brings up uh, you know interesting correlations to. Uh, like the uh, Hans and Gretel story. Yes. And, and you yep. know where that kind of stands. But I, I digress. That's, a, that's just a throwaway <laughs> thought. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, at this time, we are going to go ahead and take a break. We would really appreciate it if you would go visit us on iTunes or Google Play and give us a rating, a review, and a subscribe. That really helps us out and makes it easier for other people to find us. And after you've done that, you can interact with us on social media. We would love to chat with you. On Twitter, you can find us at TFB underscore SPN Fancast. On Instagram, you can find us at the Family Business underscore SPN Fancast. And we're also on Facebook at Snarkcasts. And you can check out all of our sister podcasts and other cool stuff can be found at GumbyCatNetworks.com. Once more with Feeling, the 20th anniversary Buffyverse fancast, Collective Snark, and Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. All right, so Donna, do you want to go ahead and touch on the female aspect of the episode? Sure, but there really isn't one. Right. That sweet old lady being a badass begging God. Okay, but <laughs> I typically don't go into them if they're not actually human. So, right. so what about the uh, the elf chick at Santa's Village? <laughs> yes. The one who thought they were bad. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> we're just like, here to watch. Uh, Ew. Yeah. Okay. She yeah. was pretty cool. That's yeah. true. She was yeah. pretty cool. So I, I'm going to pull out a soapbox really quick, and I'm going to make it a quick soapbox because we just went into uh, the same soapbox a few episodes ago. But of course, again, we have Dean insinuating that Sam is gay, and we even have the shopkeeper calling Sam fussy whenever he's <laughs> asking about the wreaths that are special. So yeah, yet again... Not something that is absolutely necessary, even though, given the time context of it only being like 2007, 2008, I get it, but yeah, totally not needed. So It was not necessary. It was a joke that didn't need to be there. On the other hand, Dean has embraced it. Dean is, Dean is no longer going, what? Ooh, no. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're making some progress, but... There's some baby steps. Yeah. There's some baby steps. <laughs> yeah. So, Kaz, was there anything in particular about the episode that you wanted to discuss? Well, the main thing was the haircuts, which I said, which which, which oh was God. a big, which was a big deal, right? To me, of course, yeah. Kaz is uh, on that. Uh, uh, naturally, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I really liked the way that they presented the villain, as far as what we saw when the creature mm -hmm. was moving around, because they left it open all the way up to, because I was pretty much assuming it was Krampus. 
Yeah, I was just right. like, I'm on the Krampus train. Yeah, this is what's happening. Yeah, yeah me too. You know? Me too. But something set right because I was waiting for the moment to be like, oh, we discover, much like in one of the previous episodes where the ghost sailor that had been hung, right? He was killing people that were wicked, right? You know? So I was assuming that we were going to discover that these people were actually into something they shouldn't be, and that Krampus right. was, right? You know, they they had it wrong. Krampus was actually goes after adults, not children. Right. And I was like, oh, that's going to be the twist. And so they kept this going all the way up until he reaches over to get the cookie and you see kind of a normal hand. Right. And I thought, you have thrown me off again, Supernatural. Good job. <laughs> Did you perhaps have like a, like a Scooby-Doo moment? Where, uh, you know, like... Old the, Man Winters? Well, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> like the, the, the whole thing of, here's here's the, the the sweet old person or whatnot, and, you know, here's your monster, and then all of a sudden the monster is the sweet old person. Like, the, I kind of had this feeling of, like, the, the Krampus idea, I'm with you there. Right, right, I, mean, I was on the Krampus train, man. And whenever <laughs> whenever he put out the hand, I was like, wait, is this just a dude? This is a, this can't be just a dude, right? I was like, it can't be just a dude. I mean, he pull he's pulling people up through chimneys, things like that. So I thought, okay, it's not a, it's not a, it can't just be a guy. It can't be maybe a ghost, but this is not very ghosty. But uh, the but, ghost of Christmas murder, the ghost. Of, <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I claim that title. I'm writing it. No. So I was really glad that I was once again. I like it when they you know throw the red herrings and they do a good job of it. And this right. is another example of other writers doing a great job of that. So I just was happy with how long that scene went because it built the tension really, really well. So one thing with with the house for the gods, I just thought it was so amazing how like the exterior is just like it's know, like Christmas. It's for it's us. Middle America Christmas, <laughs> and then you walk inside the house, and it's just like oh, exactly Christmas threw up all over this yep. bitch. And then you go down into the basement, and it's like, oh. It's like a cannibal's winter wonderland. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I really like how they had that that kind of breakdown from each one where it was like, oh, this is okay. Oh, my God, this is over the top to holy fuck, what have they gotten themselves into yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really great. And what I really enjoyed about this episode, too, was the the overall lighthearted nature of it. Because even whenever Sam and Dean are basically being tortured and they're being prepared for sacrifice and everything, whenever they're going to pull Dean's tooth and the doorbell rings, he's like, uh, is somebody going to get that? I think somebody should get yeah. that. <laughs> I get that. I say something bad, I say fudge. <laughs> yeah. Try. Well, yeah. fudge and kill you, you fucking <laughs> Yes. So I really enjoy how they, they do that a lot. They do keep the lighthearted nature of it. And this was the perfect episode to have that lighthearted nature because it was Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, and it shows like the when I don't know the husband's name actually. I don't think he had a name. I don't know that they so, go, go with Ozzy. Yeah. yeah. Evil husband, pagan, pagan god. Uh, <laughs> when he mentioned that they had assimilated the the concept of okay, so you have Christianity taking over all these pagan religion or uh, not religion, these pagan r- rituals and. Turn them how they want. So they just they just leaned in. Full bore. Yeah. They're like, we like ritual. We'll just is this what people are into? We're gonna go all the way. Yeah. And uh and apparently the neighbors loved it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course they did. Yeah. Mild weather. Yeah. Exactly. Mild weather, you know, they're a bridge. Yeah. They play bridge on Tuesdays. So Donna, of course, <laughs> we we're dealing with things like the pagan gods. We're also dealing with uh-huh. different herbs and things. Yeah. So do you want to share with us the information that you found out about all of that? I will, and I, I failed us on the Hand of Glory, so I'm going to try and redeem myself. Good. What do you need to know about the Hand of Glory? 
Well, I didn't talk about it last oh, okay. time. Yeah. So it's just it. So, thing one, they mentioned Meadowsweet, and then they mentioned Vervain and Mint. Mm-hmm. And those are the three most sacred druid herbs. Okay. So that's, All right. That's the, the first thing. Uh, Meadowsweet... Uh, apparently, it smells like wintergreen and almonds. So, you know, she kept talking mm. about loving the smell. Right. Uh, interestingly, it contains salicylic acid, which is aspirin. Aspirin. Mm. And so it has a lot of medicinal uses. They used to use it, they make a tea out of it for fever and that kind of thing. And used for it love. It would probably and... taste very good if it smelled like almonds. And... I bet it would. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Wintergreen almond tea. Mm. All right. I mean, I wouldn't drink it. I hate mint. <laughs> Well, but if you're was, being sacrificed, you really don't have much of a choice. That's true. That's you would drink what they gave you. And then vervain and mint both also have some medicinal purposes. Okay, we, I mean, we all know about using mint for an upset stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both used for protection. And vervain, incidentally, has beautiful purple flowers. Also, they talked about, they identified the god as Hold Nakar. And in the Teutonic legends, Hold Nakar appeared as either a child with horse legs or an old man with long hair, and he liked to drown his sacrifices. Interesting. Yes. And also one of the basis behind Santa, probably the name. Right. Nicholas. Yeah. I'm curious, because um, whenever we get a shot of Sam's computer, whenever he's doing his own lore for the episode, put up there is a, uh, a classic pagan, the, the Green Man. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering where that kind of ties in, and where like what that's supposed to... like. Hmm. How that's supposed to correlate? Because you know, way back season one, there was the episode with the apple orchard. Yeah. Yes. And that had that I like it was you know hookman sort of thing, but at the same time, like it had that pagan god sort of thing, which that know, one was a, it was Nordic. It was a Nordic, was a Nordic god. god. Yeah. Which I you know I, I was thinking you know it's good that you know even way back in season one we see you know all of these different cultural gods kind of pop up and whatnot Mm -hmm. right and you'll want to pay attention to that yeah it's true yeah yeah the the episode you're talking about is episode 11 of season one entitled scarecrow yes it's actually one of my favorite mine too season one yes mine as well yeah super creepy episode yep 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 (laughs) So one thing that I noticed with uh, we I know we talked about the flashbacks already, but one thing that I noticed with the hotel room setup mm-hmm. is it pretty much mirrors exactly what they will be doing as adults. We've got two separate beds. We've got them usually like sitting on the bed talking to each other or eating or whatever the case may be. And so I thought that that was a really great way to show that pretty much their lives in relation to each other have always been like that, have always been like that and haven't really changed. As if it's destiny. Exactly. I do want to know how Sam grew to be six foot four while eating Funyuns as vegetables. Well, he's a Fucking mutant. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, mean, called, I said earlier it's about demon getting, blood. De- getting fed demon blood. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. Matter of fact, even uh, uh, Azazel says it. He's like, it's you know, better than mother's milk. Yes. Yeah. It makes Good a point. body strong. Yeah. Demony. Yes. Even. Exactly. Can I mention just real quick the porno that, that the sand that the <laughs> drunk Santa was watching? Yes. And chest my nuts and egg my nog. <laughs> and, and that huge ass bong yes. that he had. Yes. It's like Merry Christmas to me, motherfucker, because it was it green? Yes. I mean it was almost like a Christmas tree of itself. Yeah. It, was, you know? it, was, it was it was emerald green. It was about I would say probably four to five feet tall. Um <laughs> 
it looked fantastic. Yeah. How much did something like that cost? Oh, <laughs> um, you know, back in 2002, whenever I worked in places like that, uh, about, you know, 100, 150. Mm, that's not if, bad. If you low-grade went plastic. Yeah. yeah. How do you think uh, Santa stayed his job like? <laughs> Man, you have to with all those fucking elves running around. <laughs> gotta work, gotta work, gotta work. Yeah. yeah gotta chill out. So Sam got an entire fingernail ripped off. Yeah. And apparently was not slowed down by that at all. Right. He late, Later on, he turned the TV on with that finger. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you've ever quicked a fingernail, you don't mm-hmm. do jack with that finger for like yeah. a week. I mean, I, I have a feeling that, that much in what happened in that torture scene, this isn't the first nor the last time that these boys will get tortured beyond the inch of their life. Mm-hmm. And and rise to to kick it to kick it in the teeth. Yeah, it's pretty much what happens every time. I mean, like the the episode in I think it was at the end of season two where Jared actually broke his wrist. It was, it was early in season two. Yeah, so I mean, pretty much bad things happen to them and they just keep on going. I mean, they're the goddamn Energizer Bunny of <laughs> evil hunters, you know, or hunt, hunters of evil, whichever way you want did, to say that. Did Jared actually break his wrist? Yes, in real life? yes he broke oh, it in real okay. life while they were filming. So as you watch season two, that He's brace that he has on there, it's it's real. It's okay. because he was healing the entire time. He did it again in season seven or season nine. I don't remember which. But goes through I mean, about half the season in a cast. I mean, especially if they're if he's if he's breaking these. Uh, these bones on set, you know that that's dedication of the highest level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally throwing yourself into your character. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, guys. Well, as we are winding down, are there any final thoughts that you have before we close out for the week? That little blonde kid who saw his grandfather, no, his father, the cutest kid who has ever lived yes. in, in all of kiddom. And, and traumatized for life. Yeah, he will be in therapy forever. I think I think you need a uh, a trauma kid counter because you know so far I, I can't I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure that there's enough that have come across. This is only season three, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keeping child psychologists in business all across America. Right, right, yeah, right, right. Pretty kind much. of reminds me of that one scene in Kill Bill early on. In in the, in the movie, whatever, the bride kills the okay, father's oh, character. Yeah. Yeah, and, and her daughter winds up being there. And she's like, you know what? If you're raw about this in the future, y'all can, you can come find me. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things with this, too, even though he never appears on screen, Bobby, they're talking about Bobby and <laughs> hey, Sam, he's at the phone, he's like, what did he say? He said we're morons. <laughs> oh, I just loved that. Actually, yes. Something we should have mentioned much earlier, that's the source. This episode is where we find the origin of Dean's amulet. Uh, amulet, yeah. Yes, is that's that right. it was originally going to be given to Dad by Sam, but it goes to Dean. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Isn't it, though? <laughs> that's, it's just something that I didn't think of or really notice or really, like, you know, process until just this moment. So thank you, Donna. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm so glad that I'm here just for that. <laughs> and that's one of the great things. Even though we don't spoil for future episodes, it's been a while since we've seen some of these, you know, early episodes. And so you start getting to put all of that memory back of, oh my God, that's right. I forgot about that. So, But at the same time, you know, as well as probably everyone sitting in this room, probably those of you listening, that that isn't necessarily, not always a thing that they see. Right. It's it's something that they're like, hey, this is a thing. And then, like, seasons later, they're like, hey, remember that thing? We should probably do something with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Alright guys, well we want to thank you for joining us and we invite you to come back next week when we will be discussing episode 9 entitled Malleus Maleficarum. So... God, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Until then, carry on. Jerk. Bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.